Hi, everyone, and welcome to AB Conversations, where we will help you CFP your way out of it, a podcast where you get into the minds of a couple certified financial planners on how we think and feel about everyday financial planning questions and what should really matter most to you. A healthier financial life starts now. Hey. Hey. Hey, Adam. How are you? Doing great. How about you? Uh, I am ready for the weekend. I was just going to say, it's very it's ready been for the weekend. Yeah, it, it feels like it's been a long week. And for people listening, I know we've shared, we often target Fridays to do our recording. Um, so yeah, <laughs> this is almost like a reward to end of the week <laughs> and why these podcasts. And why we're usually in a very upbeat mood when we do these <laughs> things. Because yeah, uh, it is it is a great way to kind of cap off the week. So yeah, uh, thanks for joining us yet again, if you are not a first-time listener. And if you are a first-time yes. listener, welcome. Yeah, you got a whole back catalog to get caught up on. There we go. So, <laughs> uh, topic today. Topic I'll let today. You maybe, I'll let you maybe start with it. But the concept yeah. here is, um, it is, I think, very common for us to be put in the spot um, where we're doing planning as somebody goes through some sort of life transition. Yeah. Um, whether it's a new marriage, a second marriage, whether it's just partnership, um, yeah. there are often a lot of questions that go along with, we'll say, kind of bringing two financial lives together. So yeah. let's hit on some of those things that people should be thinking about, or we would say we want them to be aware of um, in that situation. Yeah, I think it's, it's becoming more and more common, um, not only for younger people, I think, to delay that you know, foray into marriage and relationship and, and, and kicking that can down the road. I think the statistics do show that, that is happening later and later in life. And with that being a catalyst, it's not uncommon now for people to be very established with their own individual finances and now trying Careers, to bring yeah. Those, yeah, trying trying to now, you know, bring those together in a, a clean and efficient manner. It, it just it raises different issues. And on the flip side, I think where we see this the most for for our clientele are those um, older clients that are either coming from previous relationships and are now either, again, getting remarried for, for a second time or, or maybe avoiding that whole side of the marriage and then just going through life as partners, right? They're, they're essentially married for all intents and pur- purposes, except for in the eyes of you know, the state of Pennsylvania, yeah. which again, just creates, creates different um, issues and, and different hurdles to, to have to overcome when it comes to financial plan. Yeah. So I think the first thing that I would want to talk about then is, is kind of just to recognize that the formality of that is kind of important um, because when we are bringing two financial lives together and you and I are going to talk about, you know, some of those different things, it really does boil back down to what is documented and how is it documented <laughs> and making yeah. sure that people are aware of those things because there certainly are defaults to how things go when you're married. And then yes. there are certainly ways that you may look at, well, there's, this should be a default because we're clearly in a relationship where domestic partners work, however you define it. Yeah. Um, if the state doesn't look at it that way, those defaults may not apply. So right. yeah. just to be clear, it's documentation. Yeah. And, and I'll say too, and I, I, I think people may know this about me in particular at this point, but <clears throat> you know, you, you technically, technically, not technically, you more often than not are the optimist. 
And not that I'm necessarily the pessimist, but I do see things often as, you know, the glass is half empty, not half full. But I think a lot of financial planning is viewed through that lens of what can go wrong in this situation? And then let's try to plan for it. And be, well, number one, I guess let's let's be thoughtful about it. And then if we can plan for it, let's do that. Um, yeah. And this, this, this to me is no different. Um, it is, it is, I guess the the side of it that feels a little odd you know you don't want to go into that relationship or you know merging finances and think well, what if this doesn't work out that's, <laughs> that's not the most uplifting way to view it yeah but as you know our, our role as planners is to to think of contingencies and, and kind of look at things through that potentially negative light and let's just make sure that if something negative happens right it's the same for us viewing you know life insurance um, if something negative happens, let's just make sure there are things in place that yep. you can kind of implement if needed. So then let's sandwich method this podcast. <laughs> let let yeah. me let me the op, uh, the optimist kind of start with the upbeat, like here are the things to focus on. First. Oh, great. Yeah, we'll throw all, all that negativity into the middle and then Perfect. We'll, we'll, we'll end it positive so that people don't leave this podcast going, man, that Whoa. Adam Warner is really a Debbie Downer. Um, so. <laughs> Let's start with like like any financial plan, and I I'll use I'll use the example that you brought up where um, it's later in life. We're talking about two people that have established financial lives, right? Which mm -hmm. means they probably have a system for how they do things. They had goals, or they had objectives, or they have habits that have kind of gotten them to where they are. And now somebody else is going to be joining that fray. So I think like any financial planning process. We really just want people to be able to communicate what their goals are and what yeah. they are both aligned to, um, what each of them is going to be responsible for, um, mm -hmm. and how and recognize how those things may change. Whether that's where they're saving, how they're saving, how taxes are filed, it can be any one of these things. But we really are trying to make sure that this this financial life is now viewed as one even if the resources are coming from two different spots. Yeah, so a, a, a recent scenario, and I know she is a listener, so hi, you know who you are when I say this. Um, the Just flipping the switch, I mean, so in your example, right, it, it was older people coming together. Um, I, sh I guess I shouldn't call them older. I, I feel terrible. That wasn't now. very kind. <laughs> <laughs> They're pre-retirees. Um, but there's there's different ways to even kind of approach that situation. It, it can purely be, right, the the individual silos, what I earn, what I spend, you know, it is complete division of finances. And I think through through our planning process and through a lot of conversation, we kind of got to the point where that that was kind of how they approach things. And they got to the point where at this point, we've been together so long, we really do view everything as a as a combined unit. Um, and then there was, you know, just just that kind of switch in approach certainly leads to different conversations, just again, ba based on how they kind of view their finances now, th they are still separate, but combined, if, if that makes any sense whatsoever. It does. And I'll use them as the example where when it came to bigger picture questions, like when can I retire and what will I tap into? It, it really was this, well your resources may not be the most efficient to use in this situation right, right away when, right. when his, his may have been. So yeah. are we okay to talk about that? And are we okay to mm -hmm. kind of support each other in that way? Um, and that's, that's what we kind of mean by 
goal orientation, make sure you're on the same page. And even if uh, by account title and ownership, things are right. separate, are they supporting the same goals? Um, and that's the, and that's the stuff we'd want to bring to the table here. And I'll use the word efficiencies again, just to help yeah. people be efficient about the way they're doing it. Yes. Yes. That's, that's a great point. Thank you for sharing that. I think the other, the other side of that for this client in particular, but I think for, for many, um, and again, we're using this kind of unmarried partnership as the example, and you, you hit on it earlier too, when it comes to the estate planning side of things, the defaults will not work, right? The, the defaults when it comes to estate planning and, and if someone passes away, it is bloodline. It is, it is direct family. Um, so being very thoughtful about if something happened to me, where, where would I want my assets and property to go? And more often than not, I think we kind of see it's, it's to support the surviving partner but then if there are other family members, yeah. you, you want that money to possibly come back to your side of the family, right? When the other, other surviving partner passes, there's just, there's a lot of contingencies. I think that just need to be built into that process. Um, again, it's not necessarily a fun conversation, but at the end of the day, it is, it is planning. It's what do you want to see happen if XYZ event occurs um, and making sure that you have it properly documented and structured so that what, what you would like to see happen actually happens in real life. And, and maybe I'll use that um, as a little bit of a segue to similar conversation for people that may be getting married for the first time. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll use the example of wanting to be married, um, right? So, so bring the human side to the financial side. There absolutely is a checklist of when that occurs and these two financial lives come together. Yes, some of those defaults may now apply, but it's still on you to go through that checklist of making oh, yeah. sure beneficiaries are updated, oh, making yeah. sure you know you now have a joint cash reserve, making sure you understand how to file your taxes together, um, making sure that the family savings mo models are working on both sides. There is yeah. that checklist to if you're getting married for the first time, bringing these these financial lives together. Just mm -hmm. because you're married doesn't mean these defaults mean you don't have to do any work. There right. still is that's fair. There still is the work to document those things. Yeah, good point. Yes. So what if things don't work out? <laughs> so this is where I get to be Debbie Downer. <clears throat> I shouldn't, no, yeah, maybe not get to, I have to. Yeah, but what? let's, let's, let's put it in the, a, a more positive camp of, like you said, let's prepare yes. for certain situations that could occur because if we prepare properly, um, then hopefully what could be a negative is, is not something that is realized. Perfect. Thank you. So yes, it is the, the idea of a prenuptial agreement. And I will share in full disclosure, I do not have one. I don't know if you, Ben, had one with Desiree. Yeah, I didn't think so. It is. Nope. I, don't, I don't know how common it is, but when it does come to planning, especially if you're thinking of, uh, you know, through this lens of, uh, you know, kind of established financial lives, whether that is a younger person or that is older, older people coming together in, uh, you know, later in life, it's, it can often be viewed through that uncomfortable kind of light of, it, it's almost insulting, right, to, to bring it up. But it, again, through the planning lens, it is preparing for the worst. Um, and I think certainly in life nowadays, it is 
I don't know what the statistics are anymore. It used to be right. Half of marriages end in divorce. Yeah. The other, the other half end in death. Um, so it really, sorry, that was a, that was a bad joke, but I think a lot of people <laughs> have, have firsthand experience, whether it's, it's themselves or yeah. it's friends or family around them. So it, it is fairly common. Um, I think where, where that may come into play, or I guess the, the benefits that would come out of, you know, establishing a, a prenuptial agreement is it not only protects your assets, right, that you, you come to the marriage with, if there are specific, you know, family heirlooms or family property or uh, specific assets that you would want to keep in your side of the family, that certainly gets built into it. But I think it works in the reverse as well. If there is, again, I'm, I'm now thinking, you know, younger clients that are yeah. grad, graduating college and may have larger amounts of student loans, graduate debt, things of that nature that you wouldn't necessarily, if you're the other spouse and you go through a, you know, a divorce, you wouldn't want to necessarily assume someone else's debt. And again, that can all be factored into that agreement. Again, it's just looking through that. If something were to go wrong and this relationship does not work out, what would we want to see happen from the financial and asset and debt side of things? Yeah, I think as uncomfortable as it may sound like, uh, that may be, it's just an important conversation. And maybe it's not between, you know, you and the person you're marrying, maybe it's coming mm -hmm. from outside sources, the family, you know, if there's a family business, or I think you said family property, I, oh, I think right. about that, you know, this, these large acre farms around here that yeah, now somebody yeah. marries into the family, when you get divorced, the first thing the divorce lawyer is going to do is say, well, what are the marital assets that we are splitting yep. up here? Right. Yeah. And the whole point of a prenuptial agreement is not to have this uncomfortable conversation of saying when this doesn't work out, you know, now here's what's going to happen. <laughs> but I think it's just it takes it takes some of the uncomfortable things and just gets a document put in place. You know, <clears throat> who knows? Um, it gets it put in place to kind of protect everyone. Right. Not just yeah. you and a potential spouse. And right. I. I do also think about it, you know, going back to the estate planning side of things that when you are bringing two financial lives together, oftentimes that is just for the two of you. But let's say you had kids um, from a prior marriage, prior relationships, and now mm -hmm, they're mm -hmm. kind of in the middle of this too. If it is to make sure that things are supporting each other, but then once there's not that person to, that person to support, that it comes yeah. back to your own bloodlines, right. these are the reasons to have these type of documents. Yeah. Yeah. Any anything else then on that front? I think we had one other, one other example. Kind of uh, on. What if things don't work out? I know we focused on prenuptial agreement. When you're bringing yeah. two financial lives together and you're responsible for each other, that is the insurance conversation, right? You're yeah. You yeah. Your assets and what you bring to that relationship, the income that you bring, if that is truly supporting somebody else, then you yeah. need you need to have a conversation on what of that is insured, either through life, disability, long-term care, whatever any of those yeah. things are. It's not to say yeah. that everyone has to go and transfer that risk, but it has to be a conversation on how things would be handled. Yeah. So that is a perfect segue because it does lead to the next example that I think we, we wanted to go through, which is buying property or buying a house if you are not, if you are not married, right? And we, we see this Again, not only with older clients that, that may not want to get married at that point, but we see it with younger clients too, that in this housing market, they, it's, 
theoretically easier to go buy a house or, or maybe it's not easier, right? They, they, they disappear very fast uh, nowadays <laughs> where they, they may not be married yet, um, but want to, to, you know, put down some roots and, and establish a, a home. Um, and a lot of what you just said, right? Thinking of what can go wrong. And if, if there is, <clears throat> it's very rare, right? For these relationships to be complete 50-50 splits. They earn the same, they have the same assets, like everything is just split right down the middle, piece of cake, you know, you have a roommate. It doesn't work that way, right? Odds are in your in your previous, you know, kind of example, there there may be someone that either is responsible for the majority of the income. Yeah, we want to be thoughtful to that. So yeah, if if it's not a complete split down the middle, you just again want to be thoughtful for how are we going to effectively buy a piece of property together where the financial considerations may not be exactly equal. And insurance, yep. you kind of hit, hit on the insurance side of things. Maybe there needs to be some sort of life insurance that goes along with that purchase process. Again, thinking of worst case scenarios, God forbid the, the, you know, the main income earner that is responsible for the majority of either the down payment or making the mortgage payments has a, prematurely passes away. How is that going to affect now the, the partner that is left or, or the spouse that is left um, and may not have that insurance in a lot of cases to yeah. make it work? Yeah, or um, again, maybe this is staying in Debbie Downer world. If, if, that, <laughs> if that relationship doesn't work out, this, this can often be a difficult thing to unwind, right? Because think, oh. think about the human side of this. One of you is going to move out, right? So now one person's responsible for these bills. And if yeah. that mortgage or the property was bought together, yeah. kind of thinking from a bank standpoint, there are two incomes, there are two sets of assets supporting mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. You may not be able to even stay in that property. You may not be able to refinance that into your own individual name. There, there are right. so many different things. And I, I realize that this podcast is not giving a lot of advice. It's more giving you a <laughs> lot of what ifs to think about. Right. Um, but it really is important that you think about some of those contingencies. And again, we think about documentation being the best way to go. Here's what mm -hmm. we decided together so that when things go awry, we can look back to this and go, here's what we agreed to, right? And it yeah. was to protect everyone. Yeah. So uncomfortable conversation, but um, yeah, buying a property with somebody that you're not married to is, it's just brings some complications. So be very yeah. thoughtful. Yeah, and I, I don't know if this necessarily applies, but it does it does feel like as uncomfortable as some of these conversations can be, I'm guessing it's way more uncomfortable to have those conversations through attorneys. Uh yeah. Right. In in the in the event that it goes wrong and now you're communicating, right, through through attorneys and and we 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 don't want to badmouth attorneys, but more often than not, if you're having communications in that way, they're going to come with some bills legal fees uh, to have those conversations. So yeah, yeah and then as no, uncomfortable as it wins. is. Nobody <laughs> wins in that yeah. situation. Right, um, right. Yeah, so this is where like the, the positivity we, bread yeah, how sandwich do we, how do we, to come back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how do we wrap um, that up in a positive light? Uh, the human side of it. Look, we, we, we think that, you know, goal orientation and ha people having good habits you know, the whole point of partnership is that joys can be doubled 
and the hard parts of life can, you know, be cut in half, right? Because yeah. you are sharing, sharing mm-hmm. in those burdens. So yeah, it is meant to be a wonderful thing if we're bringing two financial lives together. Um, yeah. We just hope we've highlighted today that there, there's just, it's a checklist, right? Let's go mm-hmm. through this checklist of things that would need to kind of be done and documented to make sure that these two lives coming together have every bit of opportunity to be on the right footing in the right direction, where even if something does go a little awry, um, it was already kind of prepared for. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's in, in my head, it's almost, it's almost like a type of insurance. It's not a, it's not a physical product, you know, insurance wise, but it is a type of thing that if, if you have these conversations, you do the documentation, kind of set that aside, put it in a box. It's like insurance in that you, you have that peace of mind that you have it if you need it, but if you don't need it, that's great too. Yep. Better That's a to, good better way to wrap it up. Better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. Amen. Boom. All right. Thank you. Financial planning in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Have a wonderful weekend and we'll see you I don't know, probably same bad time, well, same bad place next week. Seven days from now. Yep. All right. Thank Take you, care. everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey everyone, Adam and I really appreciate you tuning in. Please note that the opinions we voiced in the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be most appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, your accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to making any decisions or investing. Thanks for listening.